Hey, wake up. Huh? Why? It's 4am and time for a decanter of banter with a hair of Al Lee. But I've got an exam tomorrow. But it's South East Queensland's most controversial 4 to 5am radio show. Get the up. No, I've got my final med exam tomorrow. Come on, 4am's the best part of the day. No! Ouch! What the hell? Wake the hell up! Stop! <laughs> it's a decanter of banter! Ooh! Top of the morning to you, Southeast Queensland and the world. This is, of course, streamed live on the internet, so the possibilities really are endless. Uh, Look outside, people of Brisbane. See that sky? See that pitch black sky? You know what time it is. It's time for a decanter of banter. Um, absolutely fantastic to have you here. Sit down, take a seat, make a, a, a warm jarra and get under that doona. Um, now, it's great to see some rain tonight. Uh, obviously, it wasn't of the utmost convenience bringing the old brolly down here, but great to see some rain, especially after that. Uh, well, pretty average avocado season. Got to see some rain. Maybe we get a bumper crop for the winter. Um, I mean, people were paying up to seven dollars for an avocado in the last couple of months. You know, which actually makes the price you pay for a smashed avo down at your local cafe a reasonable price, and that's saying something. So, and another good thing about the rain in this time of the year, you can say, "Well, look, no, my back isn't sweaty." from the humidity, it was just raining, you know? It's it's rain, condensation. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about how rain works, but there's condensation involved. That's what's on my back, not sweat. Brisbane is a terribly difficult place to be sexy uh, in the summer, but it is autumn now, so not long to go, guys, until we can live like normal people with, you know, shirts that don't stick to every corner of your body. Um, but uh, the other day my back was a bit sweaty and uh, a lady I know told me, hey, you know, she thought it fitting to let me know, you're back sweaty. And I said, oh, no, no, no. I, of course, saying this facetiously, I said, no, there was a man out the front with a hose and he was wetting everyone's backs. And she said, why? And I said, huh? And she said, why was he wetting everyone's back with a hose? And I was like, What? And she was like, why didn't you avoid him? I was like, pardon? <laughs> uh, good morning, go. Nadia. Welcome to Southeast Queensland's most controversial 4 to 5 a.m. radio show, A Decanter of Banter, with me, Harry Ravalli. Good morning, once again, Nadia Vanek. Good morning, Harry. How are you this morning? Very well indeed. It's a bit chilly. It's got Lindy bringing me a Ruibos tea. Lindy, can we get that? Thanks, Lindy. Um, chilly, it's Brisbane, oh my gosh. Very chilly in the mornings here. Um, <laughs> see, you're you're over there in Wynnum. You have no idea what it's like over here in Brisbane. No, we're all the way at the bay. <laughs> uh, Na- Nadia Vanek, is that uh, Slavic, Czech or Czechoslovakian? Yeah, uh, it is actually, yeah. Um, my dad's from the Czech Republic. Very but exotic. But everyone always, it's, it's, it's uh, specifically Vanek, not Vanek. Oh, all right. <laughs> right, I'll remember that for next time I call you in the middle of the night. Um <laughs> Now, you, you are a member of Savoyard's Youth Theatre down there in Wynnum. 
Mm-hmm. Now, that's a bit of a community theatre group, is it? Yeah, so they've been going for over 50 years now, um, having doing community theatre, and they've been doing a range of productions, um, such as Anything Goes, so all your classical musical theatre numbers, through to your more modern ones, which is the one that I'm currently in, which is I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. Sounds very good. Yeah. Now, you know, community theatre, is that a little bit like community radio in the sense that the best shows are always at 4 to 5 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, yeah, always, always at 4 to 5 a.m. if you can get actors up at that time of morning, of course. <laughs> yes, do, do you have trouble keeping the riffraff out there as well? I mean, community theatre, how do you turn people away? Well, look, they actually recently just did um, auditions for Les Mis and they got over 200 people signing up for auditions. They were just turning people away. Holy and that's not Yeah, it's crazy. It wasn't. It's not just um, people who are in amateur theatre, but also people who are in professional theatre that want to upskill themselves or, you know, keep fresh. So, wide range of Brazil performers in those auditions. Yes. Were you on the uh, audition panel? I mean, I'm I'm picturing like an Australian Idol group of three with a nice, friendly (laughs) African-Australian lady in the middle saying, oh, you were really great, and then two white, angry men on the other side saying, get get out of here, go back to Wyndham Tavern. We only but wish. No, no, I wasn't on the panel. I wish I was, though. Um, there was lots of... There was a, I don't even, I'm not even sure who was on the panel, actually. I believe it's the three heads. So uh, the musical director, director and choreographer would have been there. No, so I haven't written here that, that all the production... Well, a lot of the main production roles were, in fact, females, which is a bit novel. Yes. That's for I... Which show this is for Les Mis. Yes, right. Is it... Was it all female because they, they hate men or was it, did it just pan out that way? <laughs> Have you seen Les They're not all female. Like, your lead is Jean Valjean. Um, so he's a male character. But oh. we do have, um, there is there is a, a, a wide range of female characters to be played as well and actually lots of chorus roles. So varying in men and women. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen theatre. You've never seen theatre? I thought they were all women. No. No, well, we, we sometimes joke that the chorus boys are a little bit gay, but <laughs> aside from that... <laughs> happy boys, they're happy. We're being political. Happy no, boys. We're, you know, mean it that way. Look, uh, when I was in grade nine, my English teacher was, in fact, the theatre director of our school, and we had a... You know, we had some clashes. He actually accused me of being disabled. He said, my frontal lobe... He held me back after class once. He said, your frontal lobe hasn't developed properly. You can't process emotions. Because he told us to do a task overnight. He said, write a serious story, a sad story. Maybe someone will die or something. I missed that instruction. I wasn't listening. I came back the next day with a story about a stolen sandwich, right? He was a bit upset. He accused me of being disabled. And I was never in a play in high school. Well, I'm sorry that your that your, your education failed you. Yes, well, <laughs> that sucks. I mean, I suppose here's the benefit of community theatre: the the like the gatekeepers are sort of uh, put to one side, and we have people in the community who are a bit more empathetic and can say, "Look, you're not a professional, but welcome aboard." Look, um, community theatre is really accepting and there's a role for everyone. And as I said before, even so even if you've never done a show before, you can come in and be in the chorus and, and you know, learn new skills. But it's but as I said before too, it's also yeah, it's great for the whole range of people. So people who are just starting and even depending on the show really, and depending on how many people they need to cast. So it depends, you know, um, uh, you know, the larger the cast and the bigger the chorus, um, um, you know, the more roles there are to fill, so the more opportunities there are. 
And um, well, I mean, after the whole Harvey Weinstein episode, are people a bit mm-hmm. uh, timid about approaching a theatre? Uh, is that why there is, uh, like, is that why the director is female this time? I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. <laughs> it's a completely unrelated incident, but um, it just, it just depends on who's available, to be honest. Right. Um, all for all. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, do, do you get any uh, government funding? No, we're not government funded at all. So um, Savoyards, uh, we're a non-for-profit company. So we do charge for tickets, and those, um, and we we pay our directors and our choreographers, and our music directors and the musicians. Unfortunately, the actors don't get paid, That's but right. there is a there is a yeah, actors, but there is a reward. You get to be part of the production, and you get a lot of learning and skills it's like free training so oh you you are speaking my language nadia because Mm. i've all i've often found that with the arts it is a saturated market i mean i I think about economics all the time and i think well especially with music it's a saturated market there are so many bands out there that some people just played it in the street for free but here's the thing unlike say a corporate tax consultant who might get paid a lot that's sort of an external value people going i need your services blah, blah 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 he's not going home and you know doing tax consultancy for fun with hypothetical characters but with musicians and actors and playwrights they actually the value is not just external but it's that they, they get they, they get a benefit out of it it's an internal value because people love expressing themselves well that, that is true so there are people who who do that you know um come and join community theater because they they love the release and it's different from their everyday lives other people enjoy it for the free training um, and, you know, keeping fresh and ready for auditions. So there are benefits to doing it. Uh, I, I, for myself, um, <laughs> as a rule of thumb, I don't do anything for free unless it is beneficial to myself in yes. some sort of growth or relief. So as long as you're benefiting from it, there's nothing wrong with it. Just yes. the benefits are, are no longer there. Right. And, and, and your benefit is, you know, expressing yourself? Well, my, as a- yeah, no, my benefit is training. So training between pay gigs. Right, right. I just believe the theatre is, at its heart, like any other art form, you know, painting, sculpting, playing the lagophone, even pooing on a piece of paper and folding it together and making a butterfly effect. It's all art and it's all self-expression. Yes, that is exactly right. Yes. And another thing is, because people, when you're out there in the world, you're on Twitter, you're walking down the street, say you're yelling at a bus driver, and people will say, look, you can't be racist, you can't be sexist, you can't be homophobic. But when you become an actor... You can say anything and get away with it because you're playing another person. Well, it depends if you're in role or not. If you're not in role, probs not. Right. <laughs> Try telling Craig McLaughlin that. Yeah, well, well, he did argue that he was in role. So. Right. You know what? I was actually, I was actually thinking of printing T-shirts that said "Justice for Craig, Justice for Craig" because he didn't have a trial or by jury or anything. Everyone just said, "All right, you're a sexual predator." But then I was talking to some friends down in Sydney who are involved in the musical theatre scene to some extent, and they said, "Yeah, mate, all true, mate. Oh, yeah, no, absolute grub." I, I, obviously, I have no first-hand evidence, but you know, just passing on messages. Don't, don't um, abuse the, the messenger over the phone, so to speak, Nadia, please. <laughs> Well, for me, I haven't been following the story closely, so as a journalist myself, I feel like without the facts and all the evidence, I possibly can't comment. I agree. Hashtag (laughs) justice for Craig. Hashtag. (laughs) Well, I hope you get some response with that hashtag. The... the Yeah, the the (laughs) pro-sexual abuse hashtags never really catch on as as well as the other ones, do they? 
I don't know. Anything that's controversial tends to gain traction. So if you want to start a conversation, the best way is to be controversial. I agree. And what better time or place to be controversial than South East Queensland's most controversial 4 to 5 a.m. radio show? Now, now for something completely different. My favourite film is Habla con Escha. It's about a doctor who falls in love with a lady who's in a coma. It's a, it's a Spanish film. What's your favourite play of all time? My favourite play of all time? Yeah. Um, actually, um, The Four Lives of Marie by Carol Frouchette. Oh, what's that about? Uh, so, Carol Frouchette is a... She's from Quebec, so French-Canadian. She's a playwright. Yes. believe that she was a writer in the 70s, 70s, 80s. And it's, a, um, it's not a musical theatre production at all, actually. It's about... Um, it goes through these four stages of life of this woman and about her experiencing, you know, lovers and coming back to um, the core of her family and, and trying to work out her identity. Right. So it's quite a beautiful production. It sounds like all and of us. For, yeah, yeah life, life is a series of tableaus, really, yes. when you look back on it. Oh, sorry, Lindy's has got my Marie Boss tea here. Thanks, Lindy. Oh, Thanks, Lindy. You've got a PA. I wish I had one. Oh, no, Lindy. Lindy, this is green. Lindy, it's green. Why are you apologising? <laughs> Just don't do it again. Thank you, Lindy. She'll be back soon with the Marie Boss. I, I just love oh, Rebos really? tea, Nadia. It's got no caffeine in it, but you, it's got all the energy you need to take on the day. Now, I've had <laughs> one about every day this year except a couple of days, and both those days I yelled at a cashier. Poor people in retail. Yes. They don't deserve it. <laughs> now, true or false, all the world's a stage? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, that, was, that was a question. Yes. Um, <laughs> true or false, all the world's a stage? Well, yes, I'd like, one might, would like to think that um, art mimics life and life mimics art, so, yes. Sometimes the two can be quite blurred. That's correct. Ask Craig McLaughlin. <laughs> well, one could argue that in court, I suppose. True or false? All the world's a stage and every male's a sexual predator. Hmm. <laughs> That is false. <laughs> I, thank you. Hashtag justice for Craig. Well, it is no evidence. Here, see, here we are exchanging banter. Maybe it's a bit one-sided. You're there going hashtag justice for Craig. And, but, you know, there is no evidence he did anything, apart from someone on 7.30 report, you know. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the jury for, um, for poor old Craig here. Yeah. <laughs> no evidence. Look, you know... It's, you know, what happens backstage can sometimes be messy and it depends on all parties, you know, and who's consenting and who's saying yes, who's saying no. And I don't know, I guess it's up to the jury to make that choice when they see the evidence. See, here's the problem, Nadia. People say, look, you look at someone like Heath Ledger who got so involved in the character of the Joker that he went down a very dark downward spiral in his personal life because he sort of became the Joker to some extent. And everyone always looks back. Obviously, everyone recalls a person fondly if they're dead. Um, but they they said, oh, what a great artist. He became the Joker. What a shame. But, I mean, mm. when, you, when you talk about someone who plays like a very sexual predator-like character, in which Craig McLaughlin did play in a Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, maybe he is a true artist if he became that character. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> art mimics life, life mimics art. 
it's, it depends on, you know, like method acting is fantastic, but as what is it, Ian McKellen says in the extras, he does his little walking, 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 acting, acting, you shall not pass. <laughs> and I finish acting. So, I mean, essentially the word acting means that you're acting on stage as a character, but then you come back to reality because that's what you get paid to do. Yes, indeed. That's very profound. It is. <laughs> <laughs> like we're going down a rabbit hole right now. <laughs> All the rabbit holes. <laughs> now, we, we, if, any, if, the, if the Wynnum Tavern is anything to go by, is this theatre down in Wynnum safe? Look, the Wynnum Tavern is a, is a whole thing on its own. Oh, I do like to have a beer down there, though. I've never come across any trouble. But, right. no, definitely come down to the theatre. You won't find anyone too scary. Just so you know, Nadia Vanyek and her Czechoslovakian father, and there'll be no trouble. I went to the Wynnum Tavern once and there was a fight. There was, really? Lucky you. I wish I saw a fight at the Wynnum Tavern. We've kept me entertained. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Wynnum over there, Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Wynnum. All right, good. Well, as long as there'll be, you know, there might be pub fights, but there won't be any theatre fights. No, only stage fighting. Yes. <laughs> Which can be dangerous. I actually lost two teeth. I, I did drama in high school. Obviously, as I said before, I didn't make any of the plays because of this ongoing rift with my year nine English teacher. Oh, no. But I, I did drama and I actually, we were play fighting once in grade 11 and my friend went to do um, a fake uh, uh, head slam on a table, but it was all too realistic. And there I was, 7pm that night in the dentist chair, getting my two front teeth glued back on. Jeez. The health and safety. Mm, Failed this, <laughs> in that arena. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is the sound I made when it happened as well. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be a teacher in that moment, hey. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yes. But um he was he was very good about it. He picked up the pieces of my teeth and he put them in a jar and the and the, the dentist said that was a very smart teacher. If he didn't put them in the jar I wouldn't have two front teeth anymore, at least not real ones. Uh, there's a song about that. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> well, well, is that in a theatre production? <laughs> yeah. I actually can't remember what it's actually from. But yeah, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Right. You take out a couple of yeah. syllables there, you could substitute that for that Mariah Carey chorus. <laughs> What's that? All I want for Christmas is you. And by you, I'm referring to my two front teeth. Oh, you plural. <laughs> anyway, one final word about uh, government funding. Why should the state, you know, be the arbiter of what art projects deserve funding? Um, well, I think that, I, well, first of all, funding needs to happen in schools for art subjects and arts programs, and there are a few programs that are happening. I know that um, Queensland Theatre Company uh, get funding for quite a few programs, and so does Flying Arts. But, I mean, arts is integral in human development. Even Obviously, not everyone's going to become actors and actresses or musicians, but it helps people with, you know, team playing and it helps people with social skills, and I believe that theatre and the arts should be in schools everywhere and that there should be funding from the government for it. So, I'm on government. Arts hasn't seemed to have made the fourth pillar when it comes to... Um, even vet fee funding, so they need to get behind that because it really does support, you know, future human development. I agree. I agree. Mm. It's just that I've seen some. I've seen some real crap down there at the, the that South Brisbane Theatre down there. 
I'm no connoisseur, of course, um, but um, <laughs> often you want to stand up at the end. And you see a bad play, you go, well, that was bad. Maybe I'll give a bad Google review. But when it's oh, your taxpayers' always... money, you, you want to stand up at the end and go, what a waste of our taxpayers' money! Well, is it a waste, though? It gets people talking. It gets you talking, gets the arts moving. It's never a waste of money, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Less money digging holes in this country and more money uh, playing uh, musical theatre productions of the book Holes. Oh, <laughs> I can tell you that there will be a lot less angst on the roads if there are a lot less digging holes. Yes. Maybe that is good for our psychology. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, um, so let's get to the nitty-gritty, all right? You didn't, you didn't pay me $2,500 just to chat about, you know, making the, the book Holes into a musical theatre production. You no. wanted to advertise the upcoming production. Yes. So I love your perfect now change. So it's for those who are madly in love about love, who are bittersweet about love, or maybe you simply don't care about love. But this production is for everyone who has ever been in a relationship or wishes to be in a relationship. So it looks at the full spectrum, starting right at the beginning, right through the very end of our lives. So it's hilarious, it's quite a little bit sad and even depressing in some cases and very true. I know it rings true for me. So I reckon if you haven't got your tickets already, you need to definitely get onto the Savoyard website and purchase as many tickets as you possibly can the production of I Love You, I, I Love You, You're Perfect, I Think, Now Change. Yes, I agree. Yes. So that, that sort of production covers a lot of bases there. This is a 16-hour show. 16-hour show. Only short snippet, it's uh, just under two hours. All right. So short and sweet, short and sweet. Okay, so not, not even a need for, what, an intermission? Oh, there's a very short intermission. Okay. 20 minutes. Give you a toilet break. Well, great. I wasn't thinking about the toilet. I was thinking about my crippling cigarette addiction. Well, that too. Yes. Now, fantastic. And before we go, um, would you like to make a song request? A song request? Yes. Ooh, um... I'll play any song. Ooh. You'll play any song? Ha asterisk. Ooh, okay. <laughs> ooh, 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 Um, <laughs> I think do this for my boyfriend. Can you play Rawhide? Who's that by? I'm actually not too sure. I think it's a country and western song. Raw okay. hard. If you type it into YouTube. You just got YouTube up. I've um, got YouTube up here typing it in. There you go. Uh, it's not on YouTube. We can't play it. Oh, no, you can't oh, play sorry, it. Sorry, Nadia. What? It's not on YouTube. What? I'll Google yes, it. it. I'll Google it. <laughs> you can Google it. Right. Raw hard. It'll be there. No, then there, there isn't and there never has been a song called Raw Hide. No. There never has been. No, you're failing play it. my song request. <laughs> failing. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> um, no, thank you for coming on the show this morning, Nadia. Thank you so much, Harry, for having me. It's been a good time chatting no politics and all of the things around that topic. Yes, and I must commend <laughs> your, your great ability to pretend it's morning time when it's 6.44pm. Yeah, it's okay. Let's go it's get like some dinner. Well, I'm going to see oh, where right. Lindy is with that Baribos tea. Lindy! All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, Nadia. Cheers, mate. See you later. See you later. Um, now, here, she did request Rawhide. Um, very good request. Um, write that one down. Um, scrunched it up. Here is Rolls Bass on my own. Brisbane Group. Now, people have been... Uh, 
telling me, they've been saying, Harry, we're sick of the fart jokes. We're sick of the stories about vomit and poo. Can you talk about some real stuff that we can relate to? What relationships? And I say, look, all right, we can talk about relationships. Sit down. Um, relax on my, recline on my sofa. Tell me about what's going on. And um, now, one thing that's very important in relationships, in fact, is probably the, the fundamental clause in, in any relationship contract because, as we all know, relationships at their heart really are contracts. They're tacit agreements between two or more people saying, look, we are an item, uh, we are an exclusive item. Um, if you, you know, make off with another lady at a hotel during a stopover in Tokyo, um, you know, that's a fundamental breach of this contract and I have the right to walk away from the agreement. Um, that would be a repudiation. Um so it's very contractual at its heart, relationships. Um, I, I've i always said to, to everyone I know in a relationship, both of you need independent legal advice. Um, always seek the advice of a lawyer um, after any fight in a relationship. Um, now, loyalty is important. Um, you know, it, as I said, you, you know, they can't just run off with another person during a stopover in Tokyo. And while you're in Tokyo, they can't run off with the postman. Um, you know, but there, there, there are some grey areas with loyalty, which is largely an honourable thing. Loyalty, but I'm going to show, I'm going to show you today that loyalty could be as overrated as Pink Floyd. Now, um, the grey area is board games. Uh, there, there was a bit of an incident that that occurred last weekend with myself and my lady friend. Um, I'm not going to say it was a fight. It was more constructive criticism from her um, and me arguing about that. Um, so not a fight. Just want to say a very healthy relationship. Everything's going completely fine. Um, and everyone should be completely jealous of us. Uh, that, that, is the, that is actually the... Uh, so relationships are contractual. But the purpose, the aim of relationship... Um, it has it is and always has been trying to make other uh, people in relationships be jealous and envious of your relationship. So you got a post on Facebook saying, "Wow, best boyfriend ever um, got me a DVD copy of Meatballs Part Two um, for Valentine's Day. My boyfriend rules." And then you know, then her best friend sitting there going, "Oh, my boyfriend sucks. He got me chocolates." Um, you know, so. Uh, that's what relationships are for. So we don't fight ever. Um, we give constructive criticism. And basically there was a board game of sorts occurring at, at my friend's uh, farm. Uh, he was having a 25th and there, there, were, there were some drinks and and um, we were playing a game called Woof. Now, if you've played Woof before, you know um, that this is my subtle way of describing to the people who haven't played Wolf before what it entails. Uh, there are there are villages. You look at you get a delta card. You look at the card. There are certain roles. Now there are villages, and there some people have a card that suggests that they are the wolf. Now it's the aim of the villagers to uh, find out who the wolf is. But every so you close your eyes, and then there's there's like a director of of this game, and he will say, "Now wolves uh, awaken." and choose who you want to kill. And then so they'll point quietly at a particular person, and then everyone opens their eyes, and, the, and this game director says, uh, this villager is now dead. And then, and then you have to argue about which person you think is the wolf. There might be multiple wolves. 
Um, in this game in particular, it was a rather large game. There was there were two or three wolves, and um, and and then you have to kill someone at the end of that round. And so you, you, everyone will argue, say, "Look, I think she's lying. I think she's a wolf." And then they might end up being a village, and you go, "Oh no!" And so the wolves win when they kill all the villagers, or when you know, yeah, well, that, that sort of situation, or when it's inevitable, essentially like a checkmate sort of situation. And the villagers win if they find out who all the wolves are um you know before there's uh, less than uh, one villager alive you know so it's it's villagers v wolves in a big way now on this particular occasion i was the wolf and i was uh up next to my girlfriend and i had been so negligent as to leave my card the wrong side up so it was very apparent to her that i was indeed the wolf now um she she noticed that but she didn't say anything in fact, she carried on as if I was not the wolf and um, was accusing others of being the wolf, even though it was her, because um, she was a villager, she had the villager card. So within this game, it was her role to discover who the wolf was. She knew who the wolf was. That wolf was sitting right next to her that entire time. But she is that loyal that her loyalty carried over from real life, from you know, Harry and Mon, that loyalty carried over into the role-playing world of Wolf and Villager, in which those roles were actually antithetical. And um, and that is it a failure of logic? Um, because I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, if if we were if we were playing Call of Duty, like one one on one, playing a video game, a shoot 'em up video game, uh, if it was one v one, and we were both like, oh, but we're we're in a couple, we can't. We can't shoot each other in the game because the, we're, we're, our loyalties can go from real life into this game, right? Um, that doesn't make sense. There'd be no reason to play ever. Um, obviously, you bring in a third person, right, and say it was 1v1v1, then we just team up and destroy them. So, you know, if there was, it was a, a three-player game of Chinese checkers, we, you know, it'd just be really unfair. We team up on them and they'd be like, well, I'm not, I don't want to play with you guys anymore. Um, uh, so... And there's other things that loyalty. Uh, so there's a bit of a grey area where obviously there's no big issue in carrying across that loyalty into a board game. That you know, it was it was endearing. I found it heartwarming to say the least. But um, the the whole board game will fall apart upon this logic if because there there were other couples there. If every couple just teamed up, the game wouldn't work. See, we you're a different person when you're in a board game. You, you know, you 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 yell more. Um, so. Anyway, look, at the end of the day, loyalty, right? You'd say someone can be a loyal person, but also a bad person. You, you might suggest that, you know, maybe your 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 sister kills someone and says, and they ring you up in the middle of the night and they say, Jesus Christ, just um just killed someone. Literally just just snapped. Having a bad day at the office, killed someone. Um, can you come and collect me from the CBD? And you help them dig a hole and you help them bury the body and you've just hidden the evidence you are an accessory after the fact of a murder you know you're going to jail right you've done a bad thing you've been but you've done a good thing because you know the world teaches you to be loyal to your family members and your friends so you've been loyal you've helped dig the hole and everything but you're going to go to jail and you've done the wrong thing and you know it you feel bad if, if you as if there's anyone else out there relating to this right now i'm sorry for grilling you but you are. You're an accessory after the fact. You you you're a murderer. Um, 
Uh, no, don't cry. Don't cry. No, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. No, you're not. You're not a murderer. You're not a murderer. You're just accessory after the fact. And look, um, so loyalty is a good attribute, but it can, it can be bad. I mean, like, um, for example, people say, I'm a loyal person. They say, oh, describe yourself in, in uh, five characters or less. And they say, oh, loyal. I'm a loyal person. All right? So what, what happens when your husband turns out to be a like a wife beater or a husband beater, you know? Yeah. Oh, but I'm loyal. I'll stick around. No, wrong. Get the hell out of there. Um, uh, so, uh, misplaced loyalty. That is. And um, so I, I, so I called my my missus up last night, and 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 uh, and I mentioned this whole board game fiasco, the the great um, wolf controversy of 2018. And and I tell her, look, I'm going to be bringing this up tomorrow morning. She said, and she's, oh no. She says, you're going to give such a one-sided version of events. And I said, no, yeah, I totally am. And um, she said, look, um, and and she didn't know I was making a note of this, but she said it was the ultimate betrayal because I, in the next round, I had an inkling that she was the wolf, and and I said, I th- something's up with my missus here. I think she is the wolf. And and I led uh, I led a revolution against her, and she was uncloaked. She flipped her. She was killed. She flipped her card. She was the wolf. And I celebrated. I said, "Yes, we got her. We got the wolf. We didn't get Monique. We got the wolf because this was a bold game. It was role playing, right? And she was. She, this is when she gave some of her constructive criticism <laughs> um, with some very colourful language. And she said that this was the ultimate betrayal. She said, no matter when you're playing board games or video games, it's always Harry and Monique. It's never Wolf and and Villager. And um, and she said, I lied to everyone for you. I lied to the other villagers. They were hurt. They were hurt by that. And I said, well, I thought to myself, perhaps that was the wrong thing to do. Constructive criticism. Anyway, you know, so, I mean, uh, in, when, when one is the Villager, one is the Wolf... You can't both win. So here's there's the logical fallacy there. And you know, they only one of us could win. Only either the wolves win or the villagers win. So you, you can't actually team up as wolf and villager. It's not like Survivor where you can get to the final two. I mean, you can make an allegiance, get to the final two. You know, um, but actually, it is like that. It's exactly like that because only one of you can win. So you have to cross someone at some point. Um, now, I mean, I'm not saying. But you can call something a game and then get away with being disloyal. I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to do that here. I'm not trying to say that you can go out on a Saturday night when your missus is um, out of town and say, oh, no, no, it wasn't cheating when I kissed that girl. No, it was Saturday night um, club dance floor game. It was a game. It was a club dance floor game. No. And you can't say no. You can't say, oh, no, it was the working late with my secretary game. You know, um, that's, I, I can, that's, it wasn't an affair. It was a game. I didn't know any loyalty. It was a working late with secretary game. No. Um, I mean, uh, I've always found with loyalty, um, sometimes you, sometimes you your friends and family do, they stuff up. But you, I think the, the thing to do, and this is my two-step plan, guys, so write this one down. Um, step one, uh, stick up for them in public. You know, when they're getting grilled, say, no, this is my mate, I'm sticking up for him. But then uh, step two, behind the scenes, in private, say, look, yeah, you're a dick there. Look, when you push that old man in front of the truck, that was a bit dodgy. And um, so when 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 you're in public, say no. That old man, he was old. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, it was you can say it was self-defense. The old man was lashing out. Uh, he had to push him in front of the truck. But then in private, you can say, look, 
that was completely unprovoked. It was a uh, pretty bad way to react to, to losing a FIFA match on PlayStation 3. You didn't have to push that old man in front of the truck. And so that's that's what real loyalty is because you have to steer people in the right direction or what you believe to be the right direction. And But, yeah, but I think in public, uh, you know, you do have to stick up for them uh, to, to an appropriate level. That's just my opinion. Um, because what, you know, what happens if a friend does start a fight unnecessarily in the pub, right? They pick a fight with someone, then all of a sudden there's 10 blokes from Wynnum uh, beating them up at the local tavern. you you know, you got to step in and save your mate, do you? Even though he started his fault to some extent. And what are you going to do? You need to prepare yourself for these situations, especially when you're going to Wynnum Tavern, guys. You need to know what you do. Um, I mean, so at the end of the day, Here's something. When you think of loyalty in the animal kingdom, in the animal kingdom, you say loyalty. First, whether it pops in your head. Here, I'll have a go. Loyalty, dogs. Dogs is what I think of. First animal that pops in my head. Dogs are loyal. Do you know that dogs are some of the dumbest animals in the world? They're some of the dumbest. They are thick as bricks. You know, they're adorable. They're cute. They're dumb. They're so dumb. Um, all of them. And um, so... It, you know, like that they like you find a dog, if, if it if it finds another dog's poo, it like it's it licks, it eats that other dog's poo. They're dumb. Um and they're also incredibly loyal. What does that tell you? Um you know, there's always um you need to be critical as well. Um now I mean there was uh, lately an inquiry into the banks. It was in, uh, in it was revealed in February of this year, um, from this bank royal bank national bank inquiry um that australian banks were exploiting their most loyal customers the most loyal so the people who are most loyal to those banks were copying at the worst being deceived the most uh, as it were by these these banks swindled um uh woolworths um obviously own a lot of uh pubs and hotels as well that run a lot of pokey machines and um basically a leaked document revealed that um, they were exploiting their most loyal customers. They were getting staff. Their staff would be paid bonuses if they kept loyal customers there for for the longest periods of time and made and induced them through free food or drinks, or whatever, what have you, taking away the clocks, um, helping them get in the shower um, with a poker machine in the shower, and you know, uh, and so it stay in the hotel for as long as possible and they get bonuses and um, and uh, that's that's what those customers got for their loyalty an absolute swindling um, in, the Tas- in the Tasmania election that's just concluded actually Liberals did get up in the end um, good to see um, always nice to see a, a 4% uh, downswing in the in popularity of the Greens party always good for civilization itself to see the Greens becoming less popular Um but the, the Labor and Greens running a campaign saying uh, they wanted to to ban pokies in Tasmania. And so there was examples of people going to hotels to get a pub feed. And on the receipt, it was printed, Greens and Labor, going too far, save our pokies. And uh, so that, there was a bit of an anti-Labor and Greens campaign there. Obviously, try to stop the pokies, lose the election. Simple as that. Um, obviously, I hate pokies. I'm a big subscriber to... Um, the position put forward by the notable Australian 1990s group, the Whitlams, who state, blow up the pokies. I agree. Blow them up. I, I don't believe in government regulation. I've never believed. I don't like that sort of stuff. Uh, 
So, I mean, I don't like to say, oh, we'll ban them. You know, make, make the government outlaw them. But, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking, should I go to the pokey um, tonight? Just remember what your Uncle Harry said. No, don't do it. Um, stay at home and play Wolf with the missus. Uh, look, here's another track. This one is called In the Air. No, by DMAs. It's, um, it's a bit soppy. And I really like this band, but... Anyway, uh, DMA's there with their new single, In The Air, a band whose fantastic debut album drew comparisons to the work of 1990s Oasis. Uh, Getting closer and closer to Coldplay with each passing day, though. I remember this song being in the film, The Breakfast Club. I had the biggest crush on that teacher. What was his name? Mr. Vernon. But I never told my wife but I did think she started to get the hint. First, I started trying to put makeup on her to make her look like Mr. Vernon as she slept. She would wake up and be very weirded out. Then I started making her wear a Mr. Vernon face mask during business time. I would say, give me a detention, give me a detention, and she would be very confused. One day she came back to find me watching The Breakfast Club on VCR with my pants round my ankles. She left me. No regrets. Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. (laughs) Till the morning to you. Welcome. Welcome to people of all ethnicities, all races, all genders... All sexualities. Welcome to a decanter of banter. Except the Swiss. Um, top of the morning to you. Uh, good morning to the to the bats resting in your hedge. Good morning to the junkie going through your bin. And most importantly, good morning to you. Proud radio owner. Um, what a fantastic time of morning it is. 4.03. Not yet the dawn. But not exactly night time, is it? It's the morning. Often when my alarm rings to get me up in time to get to the, the radio station, I forget why it's ringing. And I get really angry. But it's good to be here. Um, speaking of junkies, um, God, there are a lot of them. Um, I... Got back from the, the the Gold Coast yesterday. I was I was down in Sydney and I, and I flew back to the Gold Coast because it's actually cheaper to take public transport to the Gold Coast Airport and back than to take public transport to Brisbane Airport if you're in Brisbane. So I fly back to Gold Coast Airport and you always have to catch this bus for a while to the nearest train station. God, there are some characters on that bus, and I gotta watch. I gotta watch what I say here because. This radio station does transmit to the whole of southeast Queensland. And, um, you know, by all means, I might have literally, literally tens of listeners over there in the Gold Coast. So I'll bite my tongue. But, um, no, it's not, it's not the first time I've encountered some interesting characters on that bus ride. Uh, one fellow on Sunday, there he is at the back with a scarf around his neck and a big woolly cap on, you know, in the middle of, it's not really summer, but 
unofficially summer probably goes for an extra half month in this part of the world. But um, he noticed I was carrying a book and he said, quite rightly, you got a book? And I said, yes, sir. And um, he said, what's it about? And I said, it's called The Art of Creative Thinking. It's um about it's it's a wonderful book. It's really taught me a lesson about how even when you think there's no room for creativity, you think perhaps there are too many rules in life, or perhaps you think there's a there are only limited way of doing things. There's always room for creative thinking, and um and uh, it's just a, a basically a bible really about how to source creativity from within yourself and how to apply it within this very overregulated world. And um, and he was like, great. And he's like, do you know there's also natural law as well as legal law? And I said, that's true. Um, when you're face-to-face with a lion in the middle of the, of the savannah desert, you know, only natural law applies then, I tell you what. Um, and he and he agreed. But um, I said, what, what have you been up to? And he says, look, um, uh I've been drinking with the homeless, and I and I and I said to him, "No, sir, they are not homeless. Their home just merely does not have a roof." I I strongly believe that um, uh, the homeless people of of, of Australia are some of the freest people in the world. I mean, uh, imagine if you could just you know, ha- you're hanging out, and then whenever you're feeling a bit tired, you just lie down and have a sleep. Um, that's freedom. See all these people, they, they shake their heads and then they catch their 50-minute uh, train out to Northgate and they go to sleep and they go, I can't believe those guys sleeping under a bridge. You know, terrible. It's like, hang on, they've got a million-dollar view for free, you know? Um, so uh, if I can do, if you can take anything away from the show this morning, I don't know, think about it. Homelessness, is it for you? Um, you'll be surprised. Um Anyway, so I we were chatting for a little bit, and then he said, "Hang on, we're passing my boyfriend's place." And he went over to the window, and he was just rubbing beads, looking very intently out the window and rubbing these beads together. And I thought this might be a good time to um, just call someone and um, just chat on the phone, just to you know, just give this a bit of a break. And so I called my girlfriend, and um, she didn't pick up. Um, God knows what she was doing. I hope there's another guy, but she didn't pick up. And um, anyway, so he eventually looks back and and, uh, and he goes, I just had to check. I left a booby trap for him. I said, what kind of booby trap? He said, a voodoo booby trap. And I said, oh, the best kind. And um, basically he'd left a, a pile of sticks, he said, on his boyfriend's lawn. And he said he took a photo of the sticks and then sent the image to his boyfriend with the caption, you stole my fire. And he said, you know, couples, they play, we play games, you know, you play games, don't you? And I said, oh yeah, got a girlfriend, we play games like that a lot. And, um, and he said, look, we're, we're fighting at the moment. Um, we're both being very vindictive. You see, we're both very mystical. Um, I, I see, I might be a little bit drunk, he said, as he um, <coughs> swayed his little uh, half- cut plastic bottle full of goon and he said but i can control your mind if i want to i said that's fantastic um i'll ask you to refrain on this occasion um but he said 
I'm having arguments with my boyfriend because when he makes me angry, I'm not my normal self. I'm my angry self and I want to be my natural self. And I, and I, I sat back, I reclined on my bus seat and I thought this is a very, it's a different, it's not an insane way of looking at the world. It's just a little bit different to, to consider your, your angry self like a different persona altogether. As they say, the, fam- the famous Snickers commercial, you're not you when you're hungry. You know, you're not you when you're angry, are you? You know, that's a different self. And some people are so very nice and so very uh, tranquil when they're, say, sober or just when they're calm. And when they're angry, they really snap and and the devil comes out of them in a real big way. And um, perhaps this man is right. Perhaps, you know, people get on a bus and they see a man with a scarf on in the Gold Coast in the beginning of March and... And they say that man's crazy. He's insane, and and then this sort of rationality tumbles out of his uh, inebriated mouth. Um, and so I said, you know, I want to be my natural self, and 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 um, and I and I really got around that. And apart from the the voodoo booby traps and the the mind control, I thought this man was really onto something. And um, but the time before that, I mean, I I have it's not the first time I've caught the the Gold Coast Express. Before that, I remember just getting on, and it was probably the, it was the first time I'd ever done this whole Gold Coast shortcut thing. And um, there were three people on the bus, and two of them were just mumbling to each other, and they had a pot of yogurt and a bag of muesli. And by the time they got off at their stop, half the yogurt was on them, and half the yogurt was on the bus seat. And there's a trail of muesli all the way down the bus, and they just got off with things in plastic bags just mumbling to each other and I thought welcome to the Gold Coast um, it, it's funny it, sometimes you, just, you sit back and you go for once for once in, in this life can people not live up to their reputation their stereotype you know but I tell you um, I do consider myself to be a man of the people alright and that was my test you know I, I tried to call my girlfriend to get out talking to this this uh, slightly weird person alright he wasn't wielding a knife or anything there's a big lesson there, and I learned a little something. Maybe my angry self is a different self, you know. Um, maybe you only need to take your angry self to go to anger management. You don't take yourself, and that's a good way of being in denial, I think. Anyway, um, I was sitting at a, a restaurant the other day. Um, you listen to Four Triple Z, by the way, and um, I was, and I was, uh, it was lunchtime, and I was having a bowl of Malaysian curry with some roti, and. As I was looking at my phone, someone walked rather close to my little table, and I actually panicked for a moment because I thought I, I, I whipped my head around because it looked like they'd taken my roti. They hadn't. They just moved their hand. I think they were getting their phone out of their pocket. But I thought for a split second there that someone had the gall to, in broad daylight and in cold blood, steal my roti bread. And then I thought to myself, "Hang on, if someone did just take my roti bread, would I chase them?" And I thought, probably not. You know, I'd be upset. Obviously, I'd miss my roti bread. Maybe I'd get more. But would I really chase a man through a shopping center, demanding him to give back my roti bread? And if I yelled out to the people ahead of me and said, stop that man, he has my roti, would they really put in the effort to to approach a strange man who might have a knife just to get back another stranger's roti bread? And then I thought to myself, would the police, upon me uh, losing my roti bread, um, would, would... if I rang them up and said, look, I've, uh, I was just eating and a man just said, uh, or a woman, both uh, both genders uh, are equally capable of 
breaking one of the the Ten Commandments, and um, and and I said, oh, uh, police police officer, no, not it is not not all not everything is in order here. Uh, my roti bread has been taken in cold blood and in broad daylight. Um, you must do something about it. Would they really do anything about it? I mean, I, I my my. Uh, my bicycle, which was worth nigh on about one thousand Aussie big ones, you know, it was taken around uh, Christmas time, and and I rang up and I said, oh, I just said to the man, I told him everything that happened, and and he said, all right, we'll we'll see what we can do about it, and and I thought that was funny. I never really, never really described the bike. How will they find it? All they know is that there's a stolen bike, and then about. Uh, about less than a month ago, a lady rang up and she said, "Oh, hello, it's me from Fortitude Valley Police Station. Um, just wondering, what the, what does the bike look like? Can you describe it? Um, well, you rang up uh, around Christmas time. I said, it's been two months. It's been two months. My my bike is burnt out in a ditch somewhere by now. You know. Um, so uh, that's how I'll describe. I'll describe the bike to you. It's burnt out and in a ditch. Um, so it makes you think, is a stealing rotty the perfect crime? If you were a man who, or a woman who went round to just little tables, right? And, and you, this is how you ate. Lunch at least. You could, you could store up enough rotty probably for, to keep for dinner as well. But if you just went round to every little table and every little uh, food court in Brisbane, and there are a great many, and just took rotty bread from people's tables, surely no one would be so passionate about their rotty bread that they'd they they chase after you. And that's I don't want to speak ill of rotty bread, but it's you know it's a it's the poor man's naan bread. Let's be honest here. It's 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 a it's naan bread when you haven't got the naan bread oven. You know here's your rotty bread, and um, we're, no one would ever chase you. There'd be no repercussions for your actions. Um, in many sense, it'd be the perfect crime, and you would be the perfect criminal. Um, um, if you're feeling a bit down this morning, I I urge you. To consider this, is anything so universally capable of cheering someone up than, you know, uh, accidentally catching someone fart when they thought no one was listening and no one was around? Um, I was walking past an elevator the other day and someone had just, uh, some, they were talking to someone who had just got out of the elevator and they had a laugh, you know. You, know, you, you got that, that split second to say something witty that gives you an out of that little brief conversation that was just so short. Um, you know, how was your weekend? Oh, good. Just um, w- watched a movie, and um, then you and then you go. Oh, it's, it's your, it's your stop. It's your floor. So you have to get out and go. All right, <laughs> um, keep watching those movies. You know, you need to. And then some. So whatever you say, even if it does not make sense, if you just, if you just got out of the elevator and just said, "I'm gonna go fart in a shoebox," um, you'd both laugh, and um, you no matter like literally no matter what you say as you get out of the elevator. Uh, both both people will just politely and nervously laugh, and um, but uh, so I I encountered one of these situations, and and so I sort of walked past as the as the elevator doors were closing, and they thought that they must they thought they were in the middle of the Central Australian desert. They they thought no one was around, and out of nowhere, and I just caught a glimpse of him, and I've never seen a human turn so red so quickly. Um, Seriously, fantastic stuff. Like a ginger going out uh, in the sun. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I'm going to play Brisbane's own Robert Forster there with Danger in the Past. A great song. Robert Forster, you've done it again. Um, Now, I've recently moved 
into Spring Hill, into an old place there. I always wanted to live in an old house. I, I love the old houses. Um, you know, there's something to be said for the, the old place. They're full of history. You don't know who's been living there. You know, you live in the old house full of history. They say, David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer from Friends used to live here, you know. He lived here during that time when he was trying to figure out what to do after Friends, a.k.a. he still lives there. <laughs> LOL. Anyway, um, anyway, so it's it obviously lacks the amenities of a new place. You know, there's no fan, there's no aircon, there are no fly screens on the windows and doors. And so every morning I wake up in a puddle of my own sweat and, uh, and covered in mosquito bites. And yesterday um, it finally happened. A bird flew into my room and was literally on this, this, this death kamikaze passage going from wall to wall, just uh, headbutting, shitting everywhere. I mean, I mean, <laughs> sorry, ing everywhere. And um, and I thought, wow, it's finally happened. Um, and I really miss that old soulless, lifeless place that I used to live in. Because at least it had those modern amenities. And um, then I, I, it suddenly dawned on me, right? Um, if you if you live in a, a place for its history, right, you're obsessed, oh, I want to live in these old areas, you know, the people who want to live in those old terraces down in Sydney and Melbourne or an old workers' college up in Spring Hill, you know, it's old history. It's sort of like, hang on, this might be a historic area, yes, but why don't you live in one of those new places, right, and make history? Make people walk past that place. You know, that's where Harry Raval Lee, South East Queensland's most controversial 4 to 5 AM radio host, that's where he used to live, right? Make your own history. I mean, someone had to, all right? There's no re- These places aren't existing in a vacuum. They're, they're, they're made to be historic because historic things happened there, right? Um, anyway, and the, the other thing about living in an old place is that it's a, bit, it's a little bit spooky. Um, I'm not going to say I'm someone... Who doesn't get scared of the dark? But um, I uh, I was made to watch The Grudge, which is a horror film, uh, by my sister uh, when I was about 11. And I got to tell you, I slept in my parents' bed. Uh, if I woke up in the middle of the night, I would run to my parents' room, um, and I did that for way too long, uh, much longer than you. You're, you're sitting there thinking, okay, he did that for a long time. He's saying he did that for a long time. Um, and, and what you're imagining. It's even longer than that. Um, I don't want to go into detail. There's not something you, t- you say in public. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, I'm not still doing it. I'm not cr- running with my girlfriend and crawling into bed. Um, but um, w- with my parents still. But um, it, 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 this place is a bit weird. I, I think logically, we can't believe in ghosts in the sense that... I mean, if you see a ghost, right, it's a visual apparition of a person. I mean, what determines what clothing they're wearing? I mean, clothing is not a part of yourself. In fact, if you're going to see a ghost, they have to be stark naked. I mean, if you ever see a ghost, they are self-exposing themselves. They are predators. They are sexual deviants. Um, um, You know, clothing isn't a part of yourself. And people say, oh, but that might have been the clothing they're in when they they died. And, And to that, I say, oh, okay. Um... Maybe you're right. But, um, I mean, I, I get into perhaps there's a spirit there, right? But because the, there's also the sense that um, if they if they push you or touch you, and that some, sometimes people say, oh, you know, I felt something touch me. It's sort of like, well, what determines the, the physical strength of that ghost? I mean, at what time, you know, uh, of their life does, does the ghost sort of embody? I mean, 
you know, I've, I've been going to the gym, you know, once every three weeks for the past year or so. So I'm, I'm stronger than I was last year, surely. Um, so, I mean, at what point that would, if I became a ghost, I mean, what, what at what point would, would, it, would it calculate my strength, right? And to the people who say, oh, but maybe the, um, you know, what you, what the vision you see is what they look like when they died. Well, you know, what if they had a very gruesome death? What if they just, what if they fell into a mincer and they just see, see some minced person? I mean, at the very moment they died, right? The, the, you die when something, it's, it's actually legally defined. It's, it's when something in your, the, that connects your spine to your, something, I mean, it's like a valve in your brain. When, when, that, when that is severed, that's it, curtains. And, um, so for that, by that, you know, rationale um the moment someone dies that all they might have is a head there might have been if you fell into a mincer your ghost at the moment you died would just be like i don't know down to your neck down to your bosom i guess so we, we've got to rule that one out guys we're going to rule that one out together um put a line through that one um but then you hear stories and it makes you think well there well, simply must be you hear things like um i mean i know my friend's dad once told the story uh you know i was in a hotel in London on a business trip and I, I opened the door to my hotel room and there sitting on the sofa was a ghost of an old man and so I went down to reception and I said to reception I said look there is an old man ghost in my room and they said yeah that's really strange so many people have come down and, and said that and so if it's just sort of like backed up by all these different witnesses who haven't colluded together, you must think something's up. Maybe it's the way the light hits a window pane and makes the figure of a man sitting on the couch. Maybe it's, um, maybe it wasn't a ghost. Maybe there was just like a really pale man who just like resided in the hotel room. I'm not sure if they ruled that one out. But then there's also the sense that we, we, we assume that adults tell the truth. When you're a child, and I was at the time when I heard this story, I assumed that adults told the truth. I said, why would adults lie? They're so mature, they're so grown up. And then you realize that really adults are just like bigger kids. Like they just got, you know, their penises are a little bit bigger. Um, their, 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 their hair has receded a little bit more, but they are, they still behave like children more often than you think. And, um, and a good way of making this really hit home is, remember all those kids from high school um, who were just absolute pelicans. You know, I, I, one child springs to mind, he would um, just always lie and he would get on the bus and he'd, there'd always be some elaborate story. And one day he got on the bus and he said, oh my God, I need to sit down. And everyone was like, oh God, what, what's, what's happening? He said, my mum, she was eaten by a shark. And and everyone um, probably reacted in the wrong way. We all burst out laughing. Your mum did not get eaten by a shark. And luckily for us, Obviously, you want to fact check that before you assume he's, it's a joke. I mean, at the end of the day, some, someone's mum probably has been eaten by a shark before. And the next time they got on the school bus, they probably said to everyone, my mum was eaten by a shark. And what do they have to do? Do they, ha do they have to bring the, the bloodied flipper onto the school bus to, to prove to everyone they're not joking? Um, but uh, th this, this boy actually thought he could just get on the bus and tell everyone his mum was eaten by a shark. Um, to have some sympathy, I don't know, so, he could, so that someone would get off their seat in the back seat and he could sit down. Um, but um, those people, you know, he's an adult now. You know, that person is an adult now. And I, I doubt they, they can't be too different. I get that people, um, you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. You say, look, six years on, they're probably, you know, better people now. But they, they, you can't completely overhaul your, your innate personality. Um, so, and, the, and the, the other thing is, right, you look at old buildings, yeah? And you go, okay. That's uh, that's old. It must be full of ghosts. You know that, that, that's that's in the sense that our current house is so old and rickety. 
you go, oh, it's a bit spooky at night, right? But um, and why? Why is that? Because because it's so old and people have been in here before, um, and and so many different people have lived here. But when you think about that, really, all over Australia, you should be scared of ghosts because how long have the Aboriginal uh, people been here for? I'll tell you, uh, time immemorial. They're tens of thousands of years, right? So technically, um, they've been residing even the parks, even the forests. You know, they've they've been residing there for tens of thousands of years. So you, you if you're scared of ghosts in old buildings, you should be scared of ghosts everywhere. And I'm terribly sorry if there is someone who actually is really scared of ghosts. And now I've just made them scared of um, going anywhere. They're just uh, going to live in a bunker underground where no one's ever been before. But um. This is the reality that we live in. If you accept that there are ghosts, you have to accept that there are, are no First Nations ghosts everywhere. Um, uh, anyway, so, look, moral of the story is, don't live in an old building, uh, live in a new building, make it historic, do something, do something, uh, you know, memorable and make it historic. You know, if you read, if you, if you spend all day reading history books, you don't make any history, right? If you spend all day watching films, you don't make any films. All right. Um, if you spend all day watching pornography, you never have sex. That's my my little bit of advice to you, everyone. Um, now, I, I was just in Sydney over over the weekend. I surprised my mother for her birthday. Very spontaneously went down there on Saturday morning. Um, I, I had a very big night on Friday night as well. So only a couple of hours in, uh, kip on the on the plane. So I both surprised mum for her birthday and also surprised her by um, just looking completely dishevelled and uh, looking like I was on a downward spiral with a, with a beard and uh, some saggy eye, eyelids. But anyway, but um, uh, I had to hide in the laundry. It was my, my dad and brother's idea that we'd surprise her as they were singing happy birthday with the candles and the cake. So I was in the laundry and because um, I got home and I said, oh, I called my brother from out the front. He said, oh, well, Mum's um, actually just gone to Lincraft. She's gone fabric shopping with Dad, and I said, ah, "No, no, Mum is not fabric shopping with Dad. Mum is fabric shopping. Dad is on a on a sofa chair somewhere with a smoothie, um, waiting for the the fabric shopping to end, um, and hoping it's soon. And um, so, uh, we we've had some very infamous uh, fabric shopping trips. I remember as a very small child, and I'm not sure if this this incident made me a mummy's boy or if I was already a mummy's boy and that's why it was such an incident. But I was taken to Lincraft with mum on one of her infamous Lincraft uh, fabric shopping trips and um, I stopped to look at some buttons and she just crows. I'm not sure if she'd actually had enough. She said, this one's too much effort. Um, this one doesn't look like it has much of a promising future. And she just sort of uh, moved on to the next aisle and I sort of looked around and noticed mum wasn't there anymore and I did what any um, parent this child would do and I cried, I shut my pants, I got my got my willy out and I peed on the carpet, I threw up everywhere, I I called every member of staff the C word and um, well they picked me up as a little toddler, they put me on the counter and they, they paged mum and she had to come pick me up and I was just, apparently I was just a mess, just a mess and um, uh, anyway, and um, anyway so I had to, so when, when mum finally did come home I quickly ran into the laundry, it was the nearest room I could hide in and it's very cramped in there, so I have to squat. That you can't, and, and it becomes very painful. And she's she's on the phone to my uncle, and um, telling her, uh, telling my uncle all about um, recent events. I obviously haven't caught up in a while, and I'm literally in the laundry for about half an hour, and 
and they, they, you know, they say, all right, goodbye, and then, and then, um, the, the conversation just keeps going, and eventually they covered everything, including the Lincraft trip that my mum had just gone on, and so, um, in, you know, Trump steel traffic, all that. All, all those big topics. In fact, I was even in there and I heard, because my mother was on the speakerphone, and um, I heard my uncle ask, and how's Harry doing? And I thought, oh, here we go. I'm not sure if I, if I should block my ears here. You know, oh, that good for nothing, long-haired layabout. I don't know. He only calls when he wants money. Um, so... I thought about I thought about jumping out. This is the of the laundry. Just as they said, how's Harry doing? But it turned out all right. Um, nothing too harsh, and um, you know. So you know, she liked it a lot. She uh, we, she cried happy tears. I think, not hopefully not sad tears. Like when she saw me jump out of the laundry, she might have thought, oh no, I have to do some extra grocery shopping now, or maybe oh no, he wants money. He's here for some money. Oh no, um, I'm gonna cry. Um, uh, anyway, so no, it was it was just lovely. Um, just lovely. Oh, that was close. I uh, thought there was time there for a toilet break. Like I didn't do a number two. Welcome back to a decanter of banter, South East Queensland's most controversial 4 to 5M radio show. Um, it's good to have you here. Now it's time for a very, very fun segment. It's called Fun Fact of the Week. That's right. Fun, 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 fun fact. Now this week's fun fact um, is actually quite anecdotal. On the weekend, um, surprise mum for her birthday, and she didn't think I'd be there, right? And so the mere fact that, oh, I didn't think he was going to be here, now he is here, distracts from the fact that I, I'd actually forgotten to get her a present. So next time you're invited to a birthday function, a birthday party, a birthday get-together, could just be birthday drinks. And you go, oh, money's a bit tight this week, I've um, got to pay some bills. Or maybe it's like, oh, I don't like them as much as they like me. Um, uh, just tell them that you're not going to make it, but then actually go and say, look, I made it. And they go, oh, my God, you made it. And that that moment of ecstasy when they realize you made it, man, um, completely overshadows the fact that you forgot to get a present and you didn't. You don't need to get a present. And those, those people who went and bought them that $60 bottle of whiskey and got there 10 minutes early to get together, they're feeling like right schmucks. Anyway, um, well... Uh, anyway, there's no more. There's no more to the fun fact. How do we turn this theme off, Jerry? Jerry, the theme, the theme. Turn it off. Thank, thank you. Um, it's our producer, Jerry. It's a pretty big, big budget show. You probably don't listen to many community radio shows with theme songs for every segment, but um, obviously this is a bit of an exception to the rule. A lot of money has been put into this show by some private uh, backers. Um, some big multinational corporations that they do invest in a lot of palm oil. Um, they are clearing a lot of native rainforest in uh, Southeast Asia. A lot of orangutans are, are losing their habitat because of the, the work of some of the private backers that are funding this show. Um, uh, but isn't it a great show? Now, um, so oh, my, my friend Will, who I live with um, at the moment, uh, he said he was walking home from the valley back to our place on... Um, on Saturday night and probably more Sunday morning and uh, a person pulled over this particular person was a female and she, she was driving a rather nice car and she said hello and he said well good evening ma'am and she said would you like to get in and he said oh no almost home it's alright thank you very much and then she said do you want a blowy and he with you know, quite a, 
a little, I guess, a little bit more restraint than with the than his last response. He said, "Quite all right, um, thank you." And um, then she said, "Well, I think you're cute," and and drove off. And he was telling us this story, and he said, "Isn't that funny? Just a uh, just. It's great to see, um, you know, uh, hookers not just you know li- sitting on their hands." In, in, in their brothel, but actually getting out and about and, and and actively looking for business, you know? And that's what this economy needs. You know, you can't just sit around waiting for things to happen, you know? You know, sex doesn't just fall in your lap. Well, depends how you do it, but um, you have to go out and you have to go get it. And, um, but, but I said, hang on, Will, how do you know she was a hooker? A lady just, you know, solicits you for some intercourse and you say she's a hooker. I can tell you that, um, 95% of males right now all around the world are saying something uh, probably to their colleagues if you read the media um, soliciting them for for sexual intercourse and they're not male hookers um, they're not gigolos Will and then I said and when she drives off at the end she says you're cute what business does a hooker have saying that you're cute as she drives off as far as she's concerned, she's t- you know, put the put the tender out there for some business. The business has been knocked back. She's on to the next, uh, off to the next potential client. What business does she have complimenting you? I'm saying, Will, you just missed out on a future on a future potential spouse. Um, and he was very, very upset.